0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Brandon Hall and Thomas Costelli joined here today with Jake Marmelstein, co-founder and CEO of Groundbreaker, an investment management platform that helps real estate syndicators and fund managers automate and streamline fundraising, investment management, and investor relations. Hey, Jake, thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. Can you give our listeners a little information on your background and how you got involved with real estate?
2: Here, Thomas. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. So I, I started my career in real estate when I was working at a REIT called Watermark Capital Partners. And then before that, I went to university and studied real estate while I was there. And then after I did Watermark Capital Partners, I had a more broad understanding of the real estate space and the problems that it had in it where we could make improvements. But it was really when I was there and I was packaging up deal materials, presenting them to my bosses and the investment committee, defending our assumptions on deals and uh, going through that whole process of like raising capital, answering questions, doing the administrative duties of handling all the workflow related to sending out subscriptions, collecting them, keeping the data in Excel, and then being able to provide reports and information to investors during the life of the deal that I kind of just figured like there's a better way to do it. And I got the idea for Groundbreaker. And then I went on to do opportunistic real estate investing work in uh, in other parts of the world. And then I came back to real estate investing when I started Groundbreaker.
0: Nice, nice. So when you started Groundbreaker, uh, would you just be able to take us through why you decided to start Groundbreaker and kind
2: of just like a brief history of, of where you are today with it? Sure. So uh, when I started the company, it was right after the Jobs Act had passed. There was a lot of buzz around uh, finance world about how this is going to impact capital raising. And when we launched, uh, the idea was to provide an easier way for people to be able to put their deal up, package it professionally, and get access to investors from their own investor base and move them through the subscription process, but to also tap that new base of investors that became eligible to invest through the new regulations that were passed in 2012. And so we started getting feedback initially The reason for starting it was that we saw inefficient processes in the real estate investment world around raising capital and managing investors. But we continue to validate that idea out as we heard from more people about what they needed. And we looked at the market and the way that the market was shifting. There were companies coming out and doing crowdfunding for real estate, essentially just replacing the banks at the time when banks were not lending as quickly and they were having a lot of of red tape in the process um, or being able to give people tools and make them more efficient. And I think what hit home during that time was that people realized technology is available now to be able to make these processes more efficient. They didn't want to share their investor base with other companies that had just sprouted from the woodwork doing real estate crowdfunding, and they wanted to be able to control the experience. So it was an attractive idea at that time to use a private label platform to be able to power the back office of their business. And um, that was about five years ago. People didn't really know what Groundbreaker was up to back then. We were pretty quiet and had a small group of initial customers helping us to validate the idea and build on it. And now we've really grown. We have customers in all different states of the United States. We provide an all-in-one, off-the-shelf investment management software that handles part of the fundraising workflow all the way to paying out uh, distributions and disseminating K-1s to investors.
1: What are some of the biggest inefficiencies in commercial real estate that you are helping to solve with Groundbreaker?
2: So to be able to simply tell an investor how much they've invested and how much they got back in their portfolio, um, or on a deal level is typically pretty hard to be able to do when you're storing everything in Excel. You have to go through your records, um, Maybe you get an email from somebody or a phone call asking to answer that question and you have to dig through your records and search and then answer them one-off or create a report and send it over to them. Also being able to update investors on a deal and sharing attachments through email, having to add every investor into the email, having to attach the documents one by one, or using another tool to be able to do that. uh, It just takes time and creates a lot of inefficiency in that communication process. And this is a really simple one that Groundbreaker helps to to make better just by having the investor portal somebody can log in and they can see their own personalized portfolio of how much capital they've committed, how much capital has been back. They can see it on the aggregate, their whole portfolio, where they can look at individual deals. And then as far as reports and documents, all of that data is in the system. So when they log in, they can get access to whatever reports you sent them. And you can use Groundbreaker as a GP to email investors out those documents with just in a few clicks, because you already have all the data in the platform it makes it easy to send those mass communications out. Um, Separately, when it comes to distribution payments, this is something that we see a lot of lift in when people uh, come over to Groundbreaker. Usually they've previously been sending payments out with check or they're using um, ACH in their bank. But every time they have to send out payments, uh, if they're doing checks, they have to track the status of the checks. They might have to do stop payments uh, the investor might have not updated their address. So, there's all these like situations where that can go wrong and uh, cause more work. And then, when they're doing ACH distributions, uh, they have to enter the values in manually every single time for what they're going to pay their investors and log into their bank. And uh, it just, you know, it takes time to have to do that on every single deal. If you're doing distributions monthly or quarterly, every time you do that, you're spending a little bit more time and it's eating away at your efficiency. And in Groundbreaker, uh, we can based on putting an amount in for your distribution, you can calculate that uh, distribution and uh, send out exactly what each investor is supposed to receive. And you can post it to their dashboard immediately when you send it out. And then you can also actually transfer the funds through ACH using our system. So you just reduce that workflow from a couple of hours every month or quarter to a few minutes and a few clicks.
0: So there's some concerns around operating agreements when a syndication is being formed and, and making sure that they're created and they're sound from a, both a legal and tax perspective. Uh, how can this process be simplified or automated using, using Groundbreaker?
2: Well, are you specifically talking about like, the process of packaging up the materials or being able to get them out to the right people? I suppose both.
0: it's both aspects, being able to package them up and then also disseminate them to the proper, proper channel.
2: Okay. Yeah. So on packaging them together, we do provide a easy template for uh, folks to go in, create their offering, fill out all the information you would expect to see in an offering memorandum. And there's, there's template fields that you can drag and drop down to populate that offering and make it look nice and professionally formatted from within the portal. And then investors can then log in. They can see it, download any docs, and if they want to be able to subscribe, they click a button and they go through the investor accreditation and they can see the subscription agreement and sign it along with whatever operating agreement um, and other agreements you need to be you need to have signed. So they it automates that process of getting access to the information because it's always online and available to folks that have access. So the friction gets cut out there. And then as far as packaging them up. I think it makes it a lot easier to have a template that you can use uh, so that it turns out the same quality every single time. You're not having to reformat stuff. But uh, as far as getting the documentation actually built in an operating agreement or a PPM, we don't do any of the legal work related to that. Companies have to kind of come prepared with whatever material they're going to use, and then they can use Groundbreaker to store that data and then disseminate it to the right investors
0: makes sense makes sense another another big one is k1 reporting um big pain point of limited partners you know they want to file their tax return by 415 oftentimes k1s come in late from the cpas who are preparing their their returns not here at the real estate cpa but other cpas definitely have that issue how does uh, groundbreaker help reduce that pain point for limited
2: partners Well, first off, in referring more business to you guys, because I think a lot of my clients have that problem. Uh, The other thing is uh, we make the dissemination a lot easier. We don't produce K1s. We're not going to take on the liability of doing that. We'll leave it up to the professionals like you to do that work. But as far as getting them out, once you have the K1s ready, you can drag and drop them and the portal helps to figure out uh, who they go to and um, get them securely into the right place and notify the investors so they can log in and download it. You know, the traditional way of doing it is fraught with all kinds of just hoops that you have to jump through to make sure that it's secure. And um, we just make that solution a lot easier by having it behind a password-protected portal with two-factor authentication for the investors so they know that their data is secure and then just for the sponsor to be able to easily drag and drop the files.
1: And if the investor has questions, what do they do?
2: I guess uh, they would yeah, pick up the phone or send an email. There's no in-app chat or anything like that uh, that we offer that goes directly to the sponsor.
1: So since you've been running Groundbreaker, You, you get to talk to a lot of general partners and a lot of these syndicates. What have you kind of found is a commonality for those that succeed and maybe those that fail like are there are there a couple things that you kind of see on your end that you say oh if you're going to do it this way then you might not see the success that you otherwise would if you did it another way
2: well i think that one of the main things is just getting to like getting in there and doing something uh a lot of people get hung up on figuring things out the right way um, with too many costs to start up and too many processes to start up. And they try to aim for perfection. Um, of course, I think that there's like ways to get started and also make it simple. Like make your structure for your payout for your investors simple. Make sure that they can understand very clearly how much they're going to get on the deal and don't try to over optimize for. Complexity and upside with the first deal. Just get a deal done. Keep your costs low if you can. Then you'll get the experience and be able to iterate. Uh, but um, I think where people like get lost is trying to be perfect, and then costs get uh, out of hand, and they end up never really doing a deal.
1: Do you have an example of? You said like an easy. Keep it really simple at the beginning in terms of payout. Do you have an example of? what a simple payout structure might look like?
2: Yeah, it depends on the riskiness of the deal. But if you can go with like an 8% PREF and then have a split above that, that would be pretty good. Or you push the PREF a little bit higher to like a 10% and then you have a split after that. That's maybe a more simple way of handling it. Or you can just go with a, with a typical PREF and you know that's it. You know, you have a higher PREF, maybe a 15% pref or something and then you uh, get the rest of the profit afterward uh, also keeping your fees low is something that i think a lot more investors are interested in investing with when you know you tie in your financial results to theirs
1: Would you have to feel pretty confident in your ability to run the deal with a higher pref? Like if you, if you offer a 15% pref, would you have to feel pretty darn good that you can come in and execute? So would that be like a first deal thing or would that be something that you would uh, look at after a couple deals under your belt?
2: Yeah, I think it really just depends on the deal. I'd say everybody who's doing syndication should try to do a deal on their own individually before they start to syndicate because then you will know how successful you are at executing. You're going to be doing things for the second or third time rather than the first time. And it'll give you more certainty. So it just really has to depend on that level of preparation and experience before you get to the deal. But I don't know if I would go and first to right out of the gate, if I'm doing my first real estate investment ever to go for that high of a pref.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, from an investor perspective, you're right. It's very simple when you integrate a pref into the overall payout, or if you just have a pref, it doesn't get more simple than that. Uh, but I can definitely see from the other side of the coin, being the deal sponsor, I would want to make really darn sure that I could hit those prefs. And if it's my first deal, I don't know. Uh, that would be that be risky. Maybe you crush it. Maybe you don't. Uh, let's talk about, have you seen syndicates fail? Maybe fail is the wrong word. Maybe be less successful than others. And if you have, what about a deal sponsor or the way that they run their deal uh, might make them miss
2: their targets? Well, being overconfident about your ability to perform on the asset and not raising enough capital and not having enough investors to go after and not being more pessimistic on the underwriting of the deal and on the ability to raise capital from the people that you think will invest. So starting right out, I think, Everybody is always too confident in their ability to raise capital. They think it'll be so easy and everybody's going to invest. And that's just not the case. It's a small conversion rate out of the people that you think are going to invest. Maybe you'll get 10% of them. So plan for that to be uh, short and always try to raise more than what you need when you're just starting. You could see cost overruns and need to be able to go back and add more capital, do a capital call. And you don't want to have to do that. So make your underwriting more pessimistic and that way you can perform better. And um, if you're investing in your first deal anyway, you're probably going to have friends and family, people who believe in you and they're investing because of you. So maybe the returns on the deal aren't going to be as attractive, but if you are realistic with the expectations, then you're going to be set up to be able to hit those pessimistic returns and you can exceed on the next deal. And then the type of the deal, like trying to do something that's complex and is it going to require you know more points of failure, like a construction development type of deal, or one that you have to do a lot of value add, that's where people really go wrong if they're inexperienced.
1: Is that why we see a lot of people in multifamily?
2: Yeah. Um, there's a, a lot of people that use groundbreaker and multifamily and a lot of syndicators that start out do multifamily because it's just a lot easier to execute. Okay. Yeah. That's why it's
1: relatively easier to pull off on the grand scheme of things, I guess.
2: Yeah. Multifamily is much easier because when you buy the asset, it's already operating typically with, with cash flows. Uh, so there's just a lot less risk, less execution risk, um, in general. But, uh, you also see that there's more competition for those deals. So there's less meat on the bones.
1: Well, Tom has experience with this too, right? Tom, I mean, you, you talk about your multifamily investing and how you just pick up a property manager and you just have to make sure the property manager is doing a really darn good job. But you don't have to go in and run the asset yourself,
0: Yeah, when you're running a multifamily investment, by far, the property manager is your most important like partner in the deal. They're more or less a partner, even though you don't pay them, like even though they're not like they don't have equity generally in the deal. they are the boots on the ground. They are doing like I would say you know, like ninety percent of the work for you in terms of the operations of the property. You're really just overseeing them. so you know having that really strong relationship with the property manager is, is absolutely essential to the performance of your property.
2: Have you ever gone in on any deals where you're doing like too much value add that you thought you were going to do? Yeah, you know,
0: uh, it's funny I speak of a few deals that uh, that we were in. So w- one deal we went in with a big value add budget ended up doing less value add than we originally thought, um, but still ended up hitting our numbers because of the market conditions. So that's another big aspect of it that plays into you know any investment. Then we had this other deal uh, located in uh, Kentucky where we had this big rehab plan to go in there, and one of the general contractors ran off with uh, fifty grand, and we had to chase him down to get that fifty grand back. Um, and the renovation ultimately was not completed for that reason. So, yeah, I mean, I've seen you know many different things happen, but I don't think we've ever went into a deal yet where we went in with too much renovation and were unable to complete it. It was always you know relatively conservative value add plays at the end of the day.
1: So, Jake, I've got a question related to COVID. Uh, What have you guys seen on your end related to deal sponsors and how they're managing the changing market conditions?
2: I've talked to a lot of deal sponsors whose deals went bust uh, because of the changes in the market. And I've talked to others that uh, are sort of waiting on the sidelines for prices to adjust. And then I've talked to people who are seeing very little actually affecting them in terms of their ability to rent the units and achieve the target returns. So it, it just kind of, in terms of multifamily, and that's where a lot of people are investing, it has been much better of a result as we initially had had thought. But I think that industrial is Growing like crazy right now, and more retail is suffering. Uh, But it's mostly been in multifamily, and Groundbreaker has seen a lot of growth because of what's going on. People are working more remotely, but uh, deals haven't seemed to to stop really. And is that what you're seeing on your side too, Brandon?
1: Yeah, yeah. We're we're seeing. I mean, I think that the multifamily operators that we're seeing are are having success. I think that the that the deal flow is definitely slowed down. I guess what we're trying to figure out right now and talking with some of our clients is just what's coming up. I guess everybody's trying to figure that out. But is this supposed second wave that's coming, is that really going to shut things down again? And if it does, are we going to see any sort of help coming from the government, because that, that really seemed to keep people paying their rents. And the I guess the big question mark is just if there's no government support, if things shut down, worst case, what does that look like? So we're, we're seeing folks be pretty conservative with their cash at this point, uh, even starting to tap into their CapEx reserves just to, uh, or, or well, I don't want to say tap into CapEx reserves, but definitely pressing pause on any sort of renovations that they're doing in order to keep more cash on hand. But I didn't know if you had
2: any additional insight there. I've seen distributions; people reserve sending out distributions to investors uh, so that they can have more cash on hand. But in terms of deal flow, um, like I, I did say that it's taken a bit of a pause in some areas. But in some, you know, people are moving ahead, and it, it's a little surprising. And and you're right; like with the government stimulus, there's supposedly some of the bigger companies that em- employ it. A lot of people are going to run out of their stimulus by October. So we'll see if the government doesn't do anything by then. Companies may furlough a lot of their workers, and then we're going to see the market react to that. And I I can't imagine that it's going to be good if the government doesn't step in and do something, because this situation doesn't look like it's going to go away for at least a year, in my estimation
0: yeah it's definitely a tough spot that we're in right now. So kind of just turning back to groundbreaker a little bit investor management systems in general what what is uh, you know there's a bunch of different uh, investor management systems out there that we've came across over the last you know year or so when, uh, since we've been involved in this space. but what what makes uh, groundbreaker different from uh, other investment management services out there?
2: Well, we're just uh we're the easiest to use, easiest to learn and understand and to deploy and get up and running. Um, our software is very intuitive in its design and it has a lot of robust functionality, but it's done so in a way where it uh, is delivered in workflows. So you can pretty much figure out how to use it and it's, uh, it's got a professional look to it as well. So I think that that helps us to stand out. People wanna use a software that they like looking at um, that's gonna be easy to understand. And um, we also offer this ability to transfer funds electronically, um, which I think makes things so much easier when you don't need to go outside of the system to send funds to an investment or receive funds back in in a payout for a distribution.
1: Talk about some of the reporting capabilities. Uh, I mean, I've I've seen the Groundbreaker site and I've seen that it's got some nice data visualization to it which might be something that like investors enjoy looking at, does it help syndicators, uh, syndicates or, or fund sponsors, does it help them report to investors in a cleaner fashion? Is that the right way to ask that?
2: Yeah, uh, it does help to add more efficiency into the reporting process and it makes those reports look professional. But um, currently, in terms of the, the capability, we're adding some some more functionality to generate pdf reports we don't do that yet all the reports are contained in the software so as an investor you have to log in and you can see an aggregate across your portfolio of how much capital you've invested gotten back in distributions your return on equity multiple Uh, you can see a couple other things when you look at the individual investments like ownership uh, percentage the date you invested and descriptions of each distribution organized in your dashboard And uh, you can look at account-specific reporting as well. Um, In the future, we're going to be adding the ability to auto-generate capital account balances for each investor and um, also reporting on other metrics that people like to show in the portal and also on reports coming soon towards the end of this year, early next.
0: Makes sense. And uh, shifting gears just a little bit, I know before we had the start of this episode, you were talking about some of the tax strategies you were actually using at Groundbreaker, which are pretty unique and something we actually have not touched on yet on the Real Estate CPA podcast. Uh, Would you just be able to walk us through what tax strategies you're using at Groundbreaker and how they're benefiting you and the company?
2: Yeah, sure. Happy to talk about this one. It's very exciting for us. Um, We stumbled on it actually, and a few people are talking about it, probably because it recently changed in like 2014 or 2015. There's this research and development tax credit uh, for businesses who are you know, developing something uh, something unique, a product um, or a service, and you can apply the funds that you've spent on your research and development for this tax credit. And then a certain percentage of those funds are derived and you are able to reduce the taxes you're paying to the government for Social Security taxes. Uh, that's 6.2% uh, that goes out of every payroll Um it used to be the law was that the tax credit would go against profits, but now you can actually uh, get it to reduce that Social Security tax on every single payroll, and it can be automatically drawn down out of your payroll software. So you're saving money two times every month, and uh, it's, uh, there's all these companies um, you know out there that don't know about it that should be able to take advantage of this.
1: Very nice. Yeah. And, and that uh, this is further described in section 41 of the code. And you, you're definitely in the innovative software requirement, I would assume. But did you have to get a company to help you with the research and development tax credit? Like, how do you go about claiming something like this?
2: Yeah. Um, so
1: do you, do you guys do it at all? We don't. We, we know about it,
2: but uh, we typically refer out. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure before I... Talk about it. Um, Yeah, so in being able to do this, we had no idea where to start. We heard about it through other people who are in the tech industry, and they referred us to a company that is a third party, offers a software, and allows you to go in and fill out the information. And then they actually take all that data and uh, produce a report for you and submit everything for you. So it just gets filed with your tax returns for the year. And since the deadline is July 15th this year, uh, there's still time to apply.
1: And it sounds like a a lot of our listeners are, are familiar with cost segregation studies where you pay a company to go out and analyze your property and componentize it. It sounds like it's kind of the same thing, but for software companies or for people that are creating or developing some new innovative solution they can go and hire a company to run an R&D tax credit study for them. And, and if anybody out there is listening, if you're wondering if you qualify, you can reach out to us. We do have connections that run R&D tax credit studies for our clients. And we've explored this multiple times in the past. We don't do it ourselves. We don't focus on something like this. But yeah, that's really cool to see that you're using something like that.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. It's a, it's a blessing right now, given... Um,
1: Right, right. Because it creates cash flow, especially in a time of a little bit
0: of uncertainty, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. So if our listeners wanted to uh,
0: get in touch with you and learn more about you and Groundbreaker, how could they do so?
2: Uh, The best way is to go to groundbreaker.co and uh, you can check out our information on our product. Our demo videos are posted on our site along with our pricing. And if you fill out the instant demo form, we'll be able to get in touch with you and you can book a call to chat with somebody on our team.
0: Awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today and speak about Groundbreaker and the R&D tax credit. i was looking forward to putting this out there.
2: Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. It was a pleasure.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at realestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at realestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.